0: So Evan, we've both just watched a very interesting—not even episode, but a film. A, would you call it a film? Uh, yeah, I would. I would call it a, a film, a movie. Do, it was. Do you think it was recorded on film? Because I only watch things that were recorded on film. Actual act the. Material. So like
1: digital, like so. Basically, most of YouTube, all, I would say, almost the entirety of YouTube is off limits to you. <laughs> so, so what you're telling me is that um. Shoot, what's a really famous YouTube video? You know what? What sucks is that my mind immediately went to the evolution of dance. That is a famous YouTube video. But when I think of the evolution of dance, I think that that was recorded on, like, original, like, on, like, a camcorder to start with. Oh, that's not film. Ah! That's a... I can't... Depending on it, if it uses tape, then it might be film.
0: I know, because that's the only kind of home video I watch. The quality, unfortunately, looks
1: like really bad the kind of media that you consume but the evolution of what? I've never seen this my dear boy you've never seen the evolution of dance you've never seen uh, a middle aged man in an orange t-shirt does a variety of dances does this guy have great hair? he has a a a little maybe a little bit less hair than you do
0: Man. (laughs) so yes still for the most part great (laughs) hair because I could lose a little bit and still have great hair well in, in
1: the sense that it looks like someone took don't, oh, you know how you no, get like a block no, of Parmesan? <laughs> no, like a no, block of no, hair don't, and, and there's like don't. Uh, say when and, and unfortunately the man didn't hear very well and said when immediately. So it's just the bare sprinkling. That so yeah, it is great hair.
0: I I will have you know that my hair is like angel hair pasta, if anything. Not parmesan. Do me do me justice, sir. Or don't do me at all. Listeners, this is, of course, another episode of the Scooby Dudes. We're here to talk to you about a movie that we teased a while ago, Daphne and Velma. Uh, It just came out. We just watched it. We're here to discuss it and review it for you.
1: So, uh, as you probably know, we are two best friends, and you are
0: here to talk about our favorite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> my name is Luke, of course sitting across from me as ever is my beloved friend and co-host, Evan. And I am,
1: in addition to being Evan, I'm also sick.
0: <coughs> yeah, man. <coughs> You're a sick dude. Yeah. Evan's an awesome guy. Garly. Uh, and is he's the state of my lungs right now. Positive skater terms apply. Um, and we're. I, I appreciate you being willing to watch the movie and talk despite feeling a little icky, sicky, icky. Um, if you need to take a sneeze break, just let me know, man. If you need to sneeze all over your webcam, you need to do a windshield wipe. It's cool with me. This is a cartoony movie. There's a lot of goose splatting around, so that's understandable. There is a fair amount of goose splatting around. Yeah, you're right, Listeners, you're right. Daphne and Velma, a brief synopsis for you. The female future members of Mystery Inc. investigate strange goings-on in their school. So Evan and I just watched this, we're going to be talking about it, it's not our typical recap episode. We're going to give you a review of it, but there's going to be spoilers and it's not necessarily going to be procedural.
1: Yeah, this isn't really a blow-by-blow like you may uh, know us for. Uh, Like Luke said, imagine that we just got finished watching it, we're walking out of the theater, we're just going to talk about our highs and our lows. We will go into some detail because I mean, it's Scooby-Doo, there's a mystery, you're going to find out what the mystery is. Yeah. And, uh, well, I guess without further ado, do we've, you know what, every, every single intro, I think about doing it, and I'm just like, no, 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 no. I'm better than you that. You did that, well, I think, in, not even the 20s, I think, not even the teens, I think in the first 10 episodes we did it. It's, at this point, it's now a callback.
0: It's now a loving homage. I'm just kind of old school, like with my, how I watch my film, and how I tell my jokes again and again. And
1: two dudes talking about Scooby-Doo, two dudes just like you. Unless you're a lady, Mm, this show is for ladies
0: too. If you're LGBTQ, we are your scooby Doo's. Here we are, we're talking about the film. Uh, Evan, first impressions. We've just walked out of the theater. We've just, you know, thrown our popcorn bag on the ground and our, our candy wrappers all in the aisle. Luke, why, why does this bag of popcorn have a hole in the bottom <laughs> okay. of it? Okay, man, you don't need to. Let's just walk on, man.
1: No, this is so weird. So put down my popcorn also, bag. No, put it butter down. on man. your don't pants? Get, get that off you. Really? I mean, it looks like butter. I'm not trying to get too close. I I was
0: going to make a joke. I was going to say I was, like, shaking the popcorn out in the aisles to be, like, terrible to theater people. But I've I've cut a hole in the bottom of my bag of popcorn so I can eat it from below.
1: It can funnel down to me throughout the movie. You're like Calvin and Hobbes when he realizes that you can bite the tip off of an ice cream cone and suck the ice cream through it. Exactly. Inconvenient straw. Exactly that. I'm also like a hamster or a plant that's left at home with one
0: of those devices. It helps meter out the popcorn at a rate that helps me sustain it for the whole movie. And also, really you'll notice this joke. You've noticed I've put a little ball just covering that hole, so that every, each time I lick and my mouth pushes it up, it lets a little bit of popcorn around that. Good save. We've just walked out of the theater. We've just finished watching Daphne and Velma, came out in 2018, first impressions, I mean, did you like
1: it? First of all, I cannot believe that this direct-to-DVD movie was shown in a the theater. Which is to say, listeners, this was direct-to-DVD, if, uh, if you can find a DVD, but I didn't watch it, I liked it, I had a great time. I thought this was
0: amazing, I don't even think I have rose-tinted lenses, or that I was in like, I entered with low expectations, I think this is just a great watch pound for pound too it's a lean movie
1: uh, it's a clocks in at around an hour 15 I believe mm, um, with credits and I will say that this sort of had the look just based off of some of the trailers based off of some of some initial impressions I saw online people were likening it to a DCOM or a Disney Channel original movie uh, and I would say similar but better
0: my I think the writing and the directing. And the act, and like it all stood out. It was all polished to such a high sheen. But some of the talent did come from like Disney Channel stuff, uh, like Vel- uh, Daphne's dad was in the Sweet Life of-, Life of Zach and Cody. So
1: they've kind of they're leaning on that kind of talent. This is this is a great sort of topic to touch on. Um, mm. When we first discussed this, uh, we made it a Patreon exclusive. Um, I will put a link to that because it was a Patreon exclusive that was inclusive to all that's right we made it free for everyone it's kind of a teaser like hey come donate and check out our patreon and we kind of touched on the fact that sarah jeffrey who plays daphne blake um isn't white and we couldn't really pin down what her background was in this film um she is biracial she's uh, half black half white judging by her parents her father is uh brian stepanek where were you gonna say he's from the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, I think he plays a janitor. Oh, wow!
0: I haven't- I don't even know that show like you do, so the recognition you're voicing is not mine. The janitor I know and love is from, uh, uh, Scrubs. Oh, Scrubs- uh, Scrubs is really great, but, um... Ned's Declassified uh, Guide. Goodness, no, I- I can't Cl- believe- What
1: other janitors are there? It's
0: that boy band, uh, TV show I really liked, with the four dudes. Um, it was a hockey term. Band of Brothers. Big Time Rush.
1: Band of Brothers. <laughs> uh band of brothers is such a hilarious disney channel movie <laughs> was it not about a rock band featuring four brothers i'm really sad that i'm saying this in our podcast because i had a really primo like facebook status ready for like this exact joke band of brothers the jonas brothers should have been involved with that if that was contemporary was it
0: no that's there's no way it did work out um this though the the guy from uh, sweet life of life of zach and cody Um, who's the janitor in there is the dad here and he's really funny pretty much every supporting cast member is bringing an A-game and is written an A-game
1: Sarah Gilman uh, who is Velma she was from a show that I watched a little bit of called I Didn't Do It which was quite good and I think one of her co-stars made it onto the Cloak and Dagger show that's gonna be coming out like all of those kids kind of like just have branched out and like are doing pretty decent things it's pretty cool
0: I mean I guess that's one thing to note is that I think the the cast does a, a great job here and I think what you were kind of getting at it's is surprisingly funny. I was not expecting to laugh as much as I
1: laughed at this, but it caught me off guard many a time. Um on that note, what was the funniest part of like like just the top, just like if you want to skim off the top, funniest part of this movie?
0: I have not not one funny part but a few. I'm gonna try and choose. Okay, I'm gonna try and choose from one. Okay, top two. I can bring it down to. Oh no! Oh goodness, this is so tough. It's so tough. I'm looking at like five different things that all really made me laugh out loud in a sustained way. It would have to be Griffith, Griffith drinking from the water fountain and saying "I'm good" repeatedly <laughs> while in the back, while Daphne and Velma are in the foreground figuring out the mystery. <laughs> Okay. I'm
1: good. I love audio gags that play in the background while different action is taking place. I love gags that keep going on like that, where it's an understated gag in the background that just keeps repeating, and it built it built for me to perfection. It's such a weird memor- mirror of, like, last week's episode... Um, justice where Scooby does that maintain like, uh, while other stuff is happening. It's uh, like that, but it's even but, better because better. there's
0: the gaps in between it that build the tension and you hear it again and you think, and because I had, maybe I wasn't expecting the movie to be as brilliantly written as it was, it sh- it shocked me every time. I'm like, man, this is such a great turn. It's uh, like okay. a be cool Scooby-Doo turn. <clears throat>
1: how about you? Do you have a favorite funniest moment? So I, I also wrote down a, a few things, and what really, really got me was that um Velma and Daphne are trying to spy on the kid who they believe is responsible for teenagers being oh, That um, was my abducted. other
0: moment. This is my other moment what you're about to say and it's I I, I thought it incredible. might be. And his two best
1: friends are hilarious. First of all, just to preface, it's sort of to whet your appetite for this up, upcoming conversation. Mm. Um they're talking about their their very popular uh, friend. I believe his name is Griffith. I think. Oh, Griffith. Yeah, you said that already. Um, Griffith. Oh, it's the same guy. It's a, it's the jock. The jocks. Every scene the jocks are in in this movie is golden. So so Griffith, they're just trying to back him up, and as Griffith is walking away, they're just like, "Oh yeah, we're really close. Like we're good friends. We like support each other," um, <laughs> which like that's funny because you shouldn't have to say that. The, I'm 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 kissing my fingertips. Um, the best exchange they have in this entire movie is they're having a normal lunch conversation and one says to the other, you know what, man? I don't really care what I do when I grow up. I just want to be a really good dad, you know? And that, and it keeps going from there. They're
0: always like, yeah, man, that's really cool. Like, I think you'd be a great dad. Really, man? That means a lot. Yeah, man. You know what? Sometimes I even think, I would want you to be my dad. <sighs> my favorite part about that is he says it so like it's crazy, like he's laughing. I, sometimes I want you to be, I want you to be my dad. Like it's a real thing that <laughs> like could happen, and like yeah, like or like it's a funny, such a silly, funny thing, and not a genuine moment they're sharing. Like a really kind of meaningful, heavy thing to say. <clears throat> oh, everything the Jocks do is so like it's, I mean, it's such a basic inversion that, like, you think the jocks are going to be really not in touch with their feelings and really mean, but they are extremely in touch with their feelings and have this
1: beautiful innocence. And since we're not going through this chronologically, and let's just, mm-hmm. let's just finish up on the convo about the jocks, they sort of, this is great, right at the end, after we find out what's taken place, the mystery has been solved, one says to the, to the other that this whole sort of debacle that's taken place or or this scoring system i'll touch Mm. on that in a second it's really representative of how technology in a way has enslaved our minds and then the other one chimes in but it's also indicative of how societal peer pressure forces us to be something we're not which i loved because this was an episode of black mirror this kind of was oh my goodness it was
0: it was i mean this is all about Technology, and I'm going to say it now, privilege, are the two big themes of this episode. And that latter one, I might be bringing a little bit to the table there, but I'm interested to get your thoughts. technology is such an overt theme, though. I love that they bring it up even more above the surface. Um, So I think we've probably whetted a lot of appetites here. Let's set a little bit of stage. This is the movie where we introduce Daphne and Velma and nobody else. I'll say it now, although I thought we might, we don't see any Shaggy, Fred, or
1: Scooby. We thought that there might be, and at the end, I feel I felt like they were teasing it. They're just like, oh, all these mysteries are coming in. Maybe they were going to be reached out by some online uh, fellow teens, and their dog does not happen. It would have been very easy. I kind of like
0: that they let him have their own thing, so it's not like this all just served to introduce them to yeah, the men. Yeah, and this wasn't like a Marvel movie, yeah. you know? There's no Nick Fury okay. Samuel. No, he did show up. At, Samuel L. Jackson showed up at the end, but he wasn't Nick Fury. He was his character from Snakes on a Plane. Who is the
1: through line for all Scooby-Doo. Could you imagine if I could have named him off the top of my head? <laughs> just like told you what Samuel L. Jackson Snakes on a Plane Roll was? At this point, it would not have surprised me. Listeners, before we were recording... Hilariously, it's a Mr. Waternoose.
0: <laughs> before we were recording, Evan pulled that out of nowhere. My goodness, the name of the boss in Monsters, Inc. Wow. Monsters Inc. Mystery Inc. I almost said the wrong one, um,
1: but uh... um, when we did our little Patreon inclusive, um, we talked about the fact that Velma and Daphne they were going to be online friends and they eventually end up at the same school, which is sort of like a high tech. It's sponsored it, like if Apple created a school, basically. Yeah, if there was an Apple High School. And we were we were trying to break down what their relationship would be like because they're like oh. Um, Is one gonna be more popular than the other like what what are the sort of friendship dynamics between the two of them gonna gonna be?
0: And I'd say my big impressions going into this movie like on the front the beginning parts of it or that they set the scene They set the table really quickly and that basically this one web conversation between Daphne and Velma We get a whole lot of context on their relationship And then boom the rest of the movies pretty much at the high school with a couple of shots back at uh, Daphne Blake's house
1: but I will say, um, they were very economical. Mm. You, you see that they're talking, they're saying that they're friends, but then you find out that Daphne, who is a jet-setter, her, her mother's work has taken them all across the globe, um, has given, has mailed Velma some Japanese, like, prawn snacks or something, which is what good friends do. And I thought that that just said, that said volumes.
0: Yeah, we get the idea that they have a healthy and long-standing friendship, but that they've never lived together in person. Daphne's coming here on site. That's going to be a big thing. Um, And Velma's kind of, like, anxious about that. For most of the movie, Velma's kind of, like, cagely not sharing why she doesn't want to be real-world friends with Daphne, who shows up on the doorstep. And that's, I'd say, kind of the emotional um, journey and question that we have for most of the movie. No, it's part of it, but there's a lot of overt mystery and overt, like, real plot-heavy stuff that drives the action. I think partly to kind of avoid putting Daphne in a
1: position to be more popular than Velma. You know what I mean? Because you would think that because uh, she's typically more conventionally attractive and not as weird... Yeah, Phil? well, I
0: mean, like, she's really positive, and, and she seems like the kind of person who'd be popular, and she cares about... She, like, dresses intentionally, although she's got a machine that does that for her. She's
1: got kind of, like, a Richie Rich life set up. Wallace, Wallace and Gromit, even. Excellent segue. Oh, Wallace and Gromit. So so she lives sort of in the lap of luxury, or at, at least her, her life seems to be going perfectly. She says many times that she's she's very lucky. She's just a lucky girl. And to the point where she's kind of, like domino levels of lucky yeah oh
0: goodness we were just talking about deadpool before recording it really is that kind of thing and she even brings it above the surface with some dialogue like everything always works out it's something she says that you feel like oh
1: that's gonna we're gonna see that push back on in this story and and where it really pops up was um a ball comes like zooming towards her head and she spots a pin on the ground of her favorite band and she ducks in it and it just like just misses her and I was like, okay, is this going to be a thing? Are you adding to Daphne this facet of her character that she's just very, very lucky? Which, here, here's what I think is interesting, seems to be an inverse of of cartoon Daphne who's very unlucky. Who's always tripping and... Fa- At least
0: clumsy, danger-prone Daphne was the name in the original series. You're right, I didn't even think of this as a contrast to that. I also didn't understand that was a ball flying at her head, because we don't, like, it's just a rainbow flash that zips past. Some of the technology here, okay, the way the technology is presented, can we talk about that for a bit? Because it's partly a visually sumptuous, um, excuse me one second. It's, Fine, it's I'm coughing my lungs out over it's here. It's partly visually rich and a good intro, entryway to a lot of great gags, and it's partly like really che- cheesy kids' TV movie-ish, but how, what did you think about the way technology was presented in this film? Big question.
1: I always find it very funny whenever, um, whenever in, uh, whether it be comic books, whether it be film, whether it be in television whenever they need to create sort of, like, analogs for real-world tech, the sort of names and stuff that they'll apply. Um, and also, here's one thing. I, I don't understand why it's never any better. The UI is always bad. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's because it takes a lot of work to make a good user interface. Um, UI, as you say. But I feel like and... you could just get someone to, in InDesign, I mean, like, just make it look better. It, they always look like. Are you, are you talking about the phones that they have I've here? I'm talking like, when someone wait, looks at a phone, when someone looks at a website, it always looks like it was designed in the 90s. Well, that, that is the thing. They all use IKEA,
0: uh, excuse me, Nokia bricks um, in this movie. Funny enough, because the technology is so great.
1: Velma have a phone that folds out like a. Like a almost like a deck of cards. I think she like has like a. If someone was making a fan oh, with a yeah, deck she's of got cards. a switch. Yeah, like a switch it's blade. So cool. Kind of thing.
0: Everyone else basically has, like, a a little brick, round beveled brick of glass that is their phone. The big things I know is that drones, holograms, and hoverboards. If I had three predictions going into this movie is that we would see drones because they're possible, they really exist, but they feel really future-forward. We'd see holograms because they're easy, and we'd see hoverboards because they're also, like, easy
1: and they kind of were recent. All of these things exist and are very normal now. I mean, maybe not holograms. Holograms, to the point. not so much. But they're normal in cartoons and stuff. They're treated as normal. Um, I I guess we should probably bring up the fact. I said that this was like high school, a la Apple. That mm. it's what is it, like Bloom Corporations or something like that. Bloom, yeah, Bloom Corp. I think is the one run by um, Tobias Bloom, tech who genius. We surmised in our little sort of uh, discussion previously has got to be the guy. He was got to be Tobias he Bloom. He was always going to be the guy, but the thing is, this is a movie that knows you are going to figure it
0: out. It plans for you to do that. And so it's got hidden layers behind that because it is Tobias Bloom, but it's not. It's more than that. Do we want to Let's 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 put off the reveal a little longer cuz it's that's
1: a rich thing I'd love to talk about. Is that okay? Yeah, let's let's um let's fully let's more fully flesh out their relationship. Because I think Mm. it's very important, it's so kind of refreshing having a Scooby-Doo product where it's just just about the two women who are very often sidelined, one more than the other, Mm. and it's just about the relationship and the friendship that they have with one another.
0: First, can we say, uh, along with the school a little bit, what's the thing that separates them? Ultimately, it's the ranking system in the school, which visually is presented the way
1: NFL rosters are presented on ESPN. I'm so glad you brought that up, because I was going to bring it up as well, but frame it within the context of um, young adult novels. Ooh, young adult novels love having schools or, like, what organizations in which there's a very clear ranking so that the protagonist comes in and is at the bottom and eventually makes their way all the way to the top
0: in uh, in anime it's a very very common uh structure simply because it offers a really clear quantifiable progression for the main character in the absence potentially of character growth and development this is a way that you can say oh i progress he's stronger than he was the last season whatever it's got that same kind of thing here, but for academic achievement, did you ever really understand the rubric that they're measured against?
1: Uh, I I guess it was just academic achievement. Um, and, and it, it made Which me could think be a lot of, of things. Um, I'm looking at the, the book right now, Dave Eggers' The Circle, which was turned into a movie starring mm. Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, which is basically um, The Circle being like a Google-style company, and all of the employees there um, use this platform to like sort of organize their lives and it's all their mm-hmm. social media and they also have like like rankings and so like that it, it's ah. it's very prevalent i would say in today's society especially where it's just like oh i have so many followers and like look at my it's all about reach but i think in this case even though they're using their devices for social media um it is specifically as you were saying academic
0: yeah, but everyone cares about academics here because maybe it's, like, the Harvard or the, uh, uh, I, I mean, it's a Ivy League tech school for high schoolers. So status is connected to achievement, academic achievement, but also, like, there's artists and musicians here as well. Like, yeah. tech artists and tech genius maybe, well, like but that artist was Leonardo definitely Vinci, just an artist. Right? Like
1: Leonardo, they, they're He was, they're, he was they're mainly not, known for his, was he mainly known for his art?
0: I don't know at this date. I don't know contemporarily what he was best known for.
1: But what here... I love about mm-hmm. Leonardo da Vinci, or what I think of him as almost immediately, is uh, the man who tries to hug you in Assassin's Creed 2, and you have the option of pressing X and declining his hug. And when you do that, the look on his face, he's so brokenhearted. <gasps>
0: I to don't the, remember this
1: at to all. To the point where most people will refuse to hug initially, and then immediately go back to an old safe point so that they can take Leonardo into their arms, because wow. it's just so crushing. Wow. And I will say, I gave him the hug right away. Good on you, man. Because And you should feel terrible if you don't hug
0: him, because it's like, this guy gives you a gun, like, 200 years before it's invented. Hug the guy. He lets you fly. He He gives you a gun and he lets you fly. He breaks the game for you. The developers didn't put that in. that character developed those assets individually. That's, um, where were we on about? We are talking about the ranking system and academic achievement. Uh,
1: Bloom points, right? Is that what they're called?
0: Yeah. I just, it's interesting how they can quantify academic achievement. And I think it's almost a joke in this. I'll compare it just to one scene where, uh, Velma is not... Well, I'll I'll get back to that later, but it's interesting that they quantify academic achievement and that you can't... There is a way you can compare art to music to
1: science. Oh. I guess when you bring in the other subjects, it becomes a lot... Yeah, you're right. It's a lot trickier. There's... Art is... I mean, you can be technically proficient at art but there's a subjective element But And it. especially because you don't get the sense that this is a typical
0: curriculum where you just, like, do the project as assigned and then we'll grade you all on the same standards. It's like,
1: do whatever you want. Create your project and we'll judge it, it on its own merits. It's weird for me to say that I wish that there had been even more of that. There was a little bit as far as, I think, what we're calling, um, shoot, uh, personal. There, there's, like, a word for it within, like, the school context where it's, like, it's a personal it's a period and you're using it for like a personal project. Um, but it's not coming to mind. I'll look it up, hopefully hopefully I can no, put like it study hall? the show notes. No Oh, like a I know I know what you mean, but I never had that. I'll I'll yeah. figure it out. Um but but uh Spencer, who is one of the kids that Daphne meets originally, mm. I like that he has the idea where he's like and it's a bad one, but he's like, You guys, what if your phone could make pies? And it's a bad idea, but I like one of my favorite things about stuff like *The Circle* by Dave Eggers. Mm. I don't. I'm not trying to plug this book, um, but I've read it.
0: I didn't know it was. Is it good? It's
1: fine. It's it's a, okay. Okay, there we go. Then I think the... <laughs> I think the finale is. I I enjoyed the finale. It's I think it's overly long, um, but I like it when when there's all this talk about possible innovation i love talk about innovation so like even though that wasn't good just the idea and like later on um bloom is on stage for this presentation and he's like i've invented a 3d printer for food that's so cool to me
0: yeah and he he prints a slice of pizza and eats it on stage and granted it's not good looking pizza. it doesn't look great I wish it they'd... looks like it was like from pizza pizza which it's is like yesterday's pizza visibly um, so like I could I, have, I recognize that you don't want him having like a sloppy thin slice or like a deep dish, but do that. Um, but, uh, but the technology, the imagination and kind of the wonder and exploration of it. When I was a kid in like middle school, I had a notebook where I'd just like draw inventions, just like a VR helmet I wanted, or like a jetpack. And obviously I've never, th- this might shock some listeners, but I never developed the skills to create those things. Wait, well, um, what do you mean? Those are some dreams that I left lie, specifically so that I could do the scooby Dudes because I recognized I couldn't fully dedicate a few hours a week to both. Um, so that's why you're not a rocket scientist. That's why I'm not a rocket scientist. Because of this scientist. podcast. And, yeah. I did invent listeners, the Oculus Rift, though. I did do that. Listeners, I
1: want you to know, every episode that comes out of this podcast is a grim reminder of why you're not zooming through the skies right now. Yeah. I got 99% of the way
0: towards curing cancer, and I stopped it. It was like our, right when we were about to start recording our first episode. That's where it didn't happen. What are What are you doing? <laughs>
1: um, what were we getting Hold at? Hold on. Say that. Th- <laughs> I mean, it's too late now. I can't say the joke anymore because the time has passed. You can. You never know how I'll well edit it. Luke, you know that people born between June twenty-first and July twenty-second are not a disease. You can't just cure them. Evan, it's been so long since I did the setup. Why are you doing that punchline you now? You said you would <laughs> edit
0: it in. It's, it's even longer than I thought it was. It's as if someone edited extra time in. <sighs> that was good. That was good. Um, uh, the I I almost would have like more time spent on the the power crawl of them of the rankings but let's just if i can summarize it to say that daphne has a good academic record presumably that's how she got into this school velma has no record when they get in they can kind of do face scanning bottom rung she's she's not even bottom rung she's the ground that the ladder sits on yeah and we don't know why because it still seems like velma's nerdy when she's talking to daphne at the beginning she's like oh they're they're arguing about mysteries and daphne's more into fantastical reasons for believing them velma's a uh a hard rationalist They're the Mulder and Scully I don't know which is it has which. the exact the one predictable thing that I was a bit disappointed with in this movie and I don't really hold it against it is that they had the exact progression I would have expected there which is that Velma is the rational person she doesn't believe in ghosts Daphne does believe in ghosts but to balance it out because you even though you know Velma's gonna be right at the end we make Velma believe that it's a ghost for a while, and Daphne be a skeptic hmm. while we're actually seeing the, the villain. And that's kind of makes Velma be like, oh, well, I guess it's understandable to be afraid of things that don't really like to be a f- fearful of ghosts, and Daphne kind of gets to be the skeptic. I mean, it all kind of serves as a power trip for Daphne at the end. I would say that
1: this is objectively Daphne's a movie. Daphne movie. It's a Daphne-centric yeah. movie. Um, But, just a few added details. If you get to... If you're the top in the bloom... Bracket points, Mm. you get an... Bloom Bracket, I like. You get an internship, which is pretty cool, actually. With
0: Tobias Bloom himself. And he's supposed to be a tech genius, a tech massive, huge millionaire. He'd be recognizable anywhere, especially in, like, I don't know, like, one of the most... Maybe, like, uh, Hokkaido
1: or Like, the tech
0: capital of the world. Yeah, you'd think he might be recognizable
1: there, but... But no, you oh know what, God. it's funny um, This Bloom Corporation, it's not even big in America It's big in this town They're, pro- they're providing right. technology Only for this town <laughs> It has no- <laughs> Do we know where this it, is by the way? It doesn't even have national reach Let alone international
0: reach This is like a, K- a Kansas suburb Like where this, this
1: Massive high school is o- Outside of like a, a, a five mile radius Nobody's using these phones yeah, oh, what do they call these phones again? It was an uh, uh, like a, a uh, it was like an a uh, a Greek name of a, a word and then phones. Yeah, the name of a flower and then a phone. Um like Ariadne phones? I don't know. But it I thought it was going to be an important detail and it was not. So, let's
0: let's start talking about the mystery and uh, and our progression through it. Actually, what it's, I would
1: love to do before that, oh yeah, is Please. I I was really honed in and focused on the fact that, for all points and purposes, Daphne Blake was also Domino, who, who, uh, f- who for our listeners who are not familiar with Deadpool 2 or not familiar with Marvel Comics as a whole, Domino has probability-based powers. So things just, and, and in Deadpool 2, it results in her surviving a lot of events that might kill her, and also in a lot of really gruesome, don't watch this movie with your kids, Final Destination-style deaths for her enemies. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's basically like luck is the way they summarize it. She has luck power. She has the power of luck. And I was just like, here's the thing. I saw Deadpool 2 yesterday and this movie today, and I was like, Daphne is domino? And I couldn't, I was so fixated on it. Do you want to share how that's resolved? The reveal? It's revealed pretty early on. In like the on, first
0: I... act of the movie. This is like, uh, they, they have so many great reveals throughout this movie. There's so much going on, you really couldn't guess the mystery, even if you guessed parts of it. Here's one piece. Um, it's her dad. It's Mr. Blake, who's following Daphne around everywhere she goes, um, making sure everything goes perfect for her. He's um, throwing down a pin from her favorite band to make her duck and dodge a ball that's gonna hit her head. He's cheating on her tests. He's, that's
1: okay. That's where I was just like, oh,
0: buddy. I'm, I'm you zipping to the most the prevalent one that we we gloss past this, but like Daphne should. Her first question should be, am I dumb? <laughs> am I
1: really dumb because I haven't taken a real test in my whole life? Basically, um, the hard evidence of this is she goes to eat breakfast, which, like, she's she, she's at the top of the stairs and she's like, oh, I sure hope there's French toast for breakfast. And her dad sees that on her plate. I don't know. It's like an omelet and toast or something.
0: Yeah, it's like something that would not smell
1: like French toast. And he immediately and he like, like rushes to the kitchen and makes her a beautiful batch of French toast. This is the kind of life he's creating for his daughter.
0: Yeah, he's made everything perfect for her. She's never had to, I mean, she was born on third base. Um, I also want to say, I like the way that's presented. We saw her go through her day first with all these coincidences, then her dad confesses it later. Um, when, because uh, Daphne and Velma are investigating uh, kids disappearing into a locker and getting their minds stolen or something like that, we'll get into it, but, like, Dad shows up and we realize he's been following Daphne and Velma, I kept thinking Dad was going to be the villain, he wasn't. I also thought that Dad was going to be the villain. He was so villainous, but the only villainous thing he did is this, which is looking out for his daughter way too much. Like, if, if there was a better, like, a
1: word for helicopter parent, but even more so.
0: Yeah, like, Like what's a a
1: helicopter lower to the Maybe, like, an electron parent, because that's how close you are to the nucleus. You're, like, on a micro-subatomic level. You you know what I want to say? I want to say this is hoverboard
0: parenting, because in theory, it's hovering, but it's full contact. It's not really hovering. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's full pressure. Um... So it's kind of like it, we want to hold it against the dad, but we also kind of have to hold it against the mom, too, because she's in on because this she knew reveal, the whole
1: time. The whole and time. Let and him. she kind of acts like it's his fault, like we're disappointed in you. It's like you were lying to your daughter, too, lady. I mean, I think it's fascinating that they set it up realistically. Because here's the thing Daphne's mother uh, invented an app or something. She's in the tech industry. Um, and as a result, that's, as I mentioned, they live all over the world. I don't think mm. her father has a job. In other words, him making his daughter's life, like, primo, like, A++ gold, that's his only job. That's his
0: life calling. You know what? You're right. And it's I guess it's kind of an inversion of typical gender roles for parenting that the mom is the go-getter uh, successful businesswoman who's had a successful app. They mentioned that the mom's app is a dog face filter for dogs. dogs. <laughs> so Amazing. You can put Amazing. So much of this movie is like, are they making fun of, from the mouths of both the kids and the adults, just people, t- <laughs> I mean, unloading on technology. Like, just making jokes about how dumb it is. It's, oh, man. Uh, it's fantastic. I love the mom as a character. But, uh, yeah, they, they set it up really well. They justify, and they do it, I say they set a lot up in that first scene. They do it really quickly and neatly.
1: All of that, so, like, Daphne thinking that she's lucky, and then all of a sudden realizing that she's not lucky, all in the, th- all in the first act... So that in the second act, she realizes that she now has to live life like a normal human. And this is where I
0: think the movie is about privilege. She was born on third base with a silver spoon in her mouth. And uh, she now begins to go through life like everybody else. And she realizes like she can't keep up and it's like, really difficult. And how do people go through this? And Velma's like, really guarded. And although I don't think this is what comes of it necessarily... Um, we start to like ultimately the comparison being made is that Velma withdraws because it's
1: hard living life without that kind of support. That is that is an amazing reading, and I'm a big fan of it. I am I'm very impressed, actually.
0: I, I don't think it's borne out entirely because ultimately, I think, like, with the eyes seen in the end,
1: it's about insecurity, is what they try and make it about. Oh man, let's let's try to rush through. So, basically, yeah, let's try and get through the plot these, stuff. These kids. They're being abducted, and then when they return, like Spencer, he they are monosyllabic. Oh, uh, Spencer is a delight. He's good. Uh, so much I
0: want to say the actors are great, but I feel like the director's presence in this movie, it was like Taika Waititi on the set. It's like, this is going to be a funny movie because of the person that's working on it. Somebody had a great sense of humor who was behind the camera. And like Spencer, the moment we know that he's really gone is like Daphne and Velmer are like, is he okay? They turn and they look and he's in the background, and he's just like suspiciously sips water, and then like tastes it. Just this, for me that had me laughing out loud. It was so, the way he acted, the way the pacing of it, it was so understated, and then they're moving
1: right on from it. Uh, uh, and, and yeah, so, and and like, um, you remember, Griffith, Griffith. Uh, the, yeah. the words that they say are, Hedgehog. I'm, I'm good. That's it.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm good. Uh, um,
0: so the, the, everyone's going, uh, they're losing their intelligence, it seems. They're coming back, they're
1: being zombies after disappearing into this locker. Uh, what happens was they, they are about to follow uh, Spencer into the locker when her dad stops them.
0: Yep, then dad uh, kind of has the reveal. He They realize that he's been following them the whole time. Because he distracts them from the locker, that's what made me think he was here. Yeah. That he was,
1: like, behind whatever was going on behind the lockers.
0: Especially because later, much later in the movie, they're investigating behind the lockers. They have actually managed to get behind the lockers much later in the movie, and he runs into them
1: again. There's a, there's a really fun... This is where Chasing. we start to get into, like, Scooby-Doo trope territory. It's a musical chase scene. I mean, it's not like... The music's... It's very lightly scored. But it's mm-hmm. definitely them being chased by a hooded figure that glides um sort of like the dread pirate roberts but like faster
0: yeah a little bit more zippy hovering you might say not quite flying we don't see the full separation from the ground uh
1: and Um, they're, they're sort of like creeping around there's sort of a very rough choppy like corridors scene where they're going in and out of doors and also at one point velma is on the floor Looking for her glasses, and Daphne like hands them to her. That moment happens so quickly; it's like they aren't even setting it up as something
0: like, "Oh, this is where this started." It's just like, "Also, we have this," reference. It's it's like and lovingly it, homaged, but not dwelled on, which I no. That was the right way to do it. It's quick. This whole movie goes down so easily, um, so. A little bit more plot stuff. Uh, Velma is being really closed off. She doesn't want to be friends with Daphne in person. Like, there's... That's really the journey of the movie, is Velma opening up to Daphne.
1: And what are ultimately the reasons for that? I thought it was so fascinating that, like... So they're video chatting on the first day of school. Hmm. Um, Daphne drops the bomb that, like... Oh, I want to see you at school because I live here now. Oh,
0: also, it happens right after Daphne's, like, live-streaming her, like, alien theories
1: or whatever. Which and means then, she's doing it at like six in the morning.
0: And then and then da- and Velma immediately starts talking to her, and it's like, oh, you're talking still on your live stream or not? And that's
1: when Daphne drops the news, like it's again like a lot, really quickly, very condensed. Um, but when she goes to school, she waves to Velma, and Velma like doesn't even look in her direction. And a, a lot of people say that, like, wow, you know, you're friends with
0: Velma, really? You seem so nice, Daphne. And but and Velma is kind of re- like it's unclear,
1: reject or rejects everyone else. Yeah, like, what's the deal? Uh, They're forced to become lab partners. Uh, Velma purposefully sabotages uh, the t- their experiment. Uh, you said ooze earlier. That's what happens. Um, the goose scene it explodes over both of them, and I
0: thought, oh, is this? gonna be like a sexy thing like joke and then i thought no that's on me i people like me having those expectations are the reason girls can't go out at night and feel safe at the same token then a guy in the background one of the jocks like looks and i feel like there's a tiny bit of eyebrow action uh (laughs) also but there's another goo scene that uh hits both hits across the gender divide uh, that leads
1: into. And this is, again, I just want to keep talking about their relationship. Because the big moment where they sort of realize, like, okay, Mm. we're we're friends, is when um, they go to the principal's office, which starts... It's a really long tradition of one of the gang, their aunt or their uncle is a person.
0: That is... I didn't even think of it in terms of the Scooby-Doo tradition, but it's true. And here the principal is Velma's aunt... No connection to any other part of the story. It doesn't matter.
1: It matters. I think, as far it, as her saying that Velma wasn't always like this,
0: it it gives Velma an advocate in power in the school that kind of justifies why they're going easy on Velma, despite her being a rebel. Ah, uh, that I
1: think, I think that's it right. it,
0: ju- it justifies it. Legit, it serves a function, even though it doesn't serve a huge character function. More than the principal brings them together, the couch does. Okay, so it's a smart couch. It's
1: it's smart furniture. I love this scene. I thought this was great. I love the scene, but I was also like I feel like uh, human resources would have an issue with this in any office. Dude, no, this scene was awesome. In fact,
0: that's the same couch that they casted these girls on. They had them come in and do their lines on this scene on this couch. And they said, Hey, that's great. Let's call it the casting no. location. The couch is, like, a bunch of multicolored illuminated cubes that they're sitting on. And the principal sets it to, like, confrontation or resolution mode. So the cubes start, like, bouncing Velma and Daphne against each other to,
1: like, anytime they're saying mean things to each other. I mean, it starts out with one of my favorite little tropes, which is that, like, someone is using, like, an Echo or an Alexa or a Siri, and that uh, service doesn't understand them. So she's like, oh, don't worry, girls, oh, I'm, I'm turning the sofa or the couch to, like, easy mode, not extreme mode. And then the thing is, like, setting to extreme mode, locking into extreme mode. I love that. It's such a simple gag. I'm, I'm, i I'm, uh, easily <laughs> easy to please, basically.
0: I think, it's, I think it's a solid straight-down-the-middle joke. But, and I think the great thing is that it does reasonably work to help Vilma and Daphne resolve their issues. It works flow-wise and plot-wise. And I think the part that made me laugh even more and think a little bit was on, like, Alexa misunderstanding, is that the principal comes back. At the end of that scene, she says something completely that sounds nothing like post my bikini photos on Facebook. But that's what the thing hears and says back to her. Like, it's not a rhyme for that phrase, but it's like, posting bikini photos on Facebook. And it's, I think there's like an eye roll from Daphne and Velma as if like, uh, adults who aren't so non-sexual. I am not the target audience for this movie, I realized (laughs) during that moment.
1: Uh... Oh man, we have covered a lot of ground. I, I, I th- well, like basically, like you were saying, it pushes the girls together and they realize like, oh, this is kind of ridiculous what we're doing. Maybe we should just we own the friendship that we've already established.
0: Yeah, and investigate this mystery of kids kind of going dumb together. Yeah, investigate that together. They're kind of their mutual interest in mysteries is the one part of this movie that's never explained. It's just taken as a given. And maybe that's good because that would
1: be a little take take some time. Like, my my personal headcanon is that um, Daphne is sort of like this paranormal uh, vlogger, mm. and Velma kept, like, doing rebuttal videos, I guess on YouTube, I don't know what platform this is, and eventually they interacted so much that they were like, you know yeah. what, yeah. I. You know, friends. I want to say that is not
0: only a reasonable headcanon, that's the main headcanon that you should draw from seeing this movie, that's very, very logical. In fact, the first scene very much implies that. Uh, the smoke. The orange you smoke. love it. Oh, oh Bill billows over what me. I if love If listeners, it, if people heard our Patreon Patreon post, they need to, to the hear us Patreon talk about that. you Patreon post, you'll see a gif that I made of the smoke. Ooh, I love that. And it looks just as good in the movie. It's the it, little smoke bomb that Velma creates to break into the locker.
1: Here's the thing. This, It's not a smoke bomb. It's like a melt. She calls it... Uh, I, I'm not gonna look it up. I'll I'll put it in the corrections section on our website, ScoobyDudes.com. But it's some sort of, like, I'm gonna call it a capacitor, because that's sort of, like, the easy go-to, like, this is a technological device word um, Mm. from one of her robots. And she's given all of her robots human emotions.
0: Oh, this is that was it didn't it wasn't as close to the jocks but where she keeps like she's about to destroy the robot with a hammer she says i shouldn't have given you human emotions and it's like no please and then we cut outside of her apartment where she lives and we hear the smash and that happens twice the callback is even richer than the original i
1: i love it because just like oh man we have to open another locker guess i better kill another one of my robots And just the idea where it's just like, no, I'm not going to dismantle you. I'm going to smash you with a hammer to get what I need. Oh, and I mean, it's the way
0: it's shot and the way those scenes play out, the cut back and forth and seeing Velma with the hammer, it works comedically really well. It's so neat. I love them going into the locker. I love them sneaking around. The one thing I want to talk about uh, that we haven't mentioned yet is Carol, um, a minor character who is of import, who we keep seeing in suspicious contexts.
1: Is it suspicious? Well, Carol is... um... Carol is the senior who is guiding Daphne on her first day and and showing her. Around. Yes.
0: The tour guide, but she also, like, looks at her phone and sees, like, a skull and crossbones and, like, looks slyly to the side and walks away at one point in an independent scene where we're just panning oh, around the I might have, cafeteria. Oh, I probably missed that then. She has some sp- suspicious moments, but it's tied into her, kind of, her character and her brand of comedy because I think she's a very funny character She's got this deadpan kind of wit and delivery in the way that she's written um, that make what could seem suspicious potentially just kind of funny and uh, a foil
1: to Daphne's bubbly uh, personality. Um, I'm just going to hit some more things, uh, highlights for me. Uh, They realize that it's the people at the top of the the Bloom bracket who are being abducted. So Mm. they're like, Daphne's like, okay, there's no way I'm going to get to the top. Velma, you are very, very smart. You're the one who can skyrocket to the top if we put ourselves in danger. That way we can solve the mystery, which sort of, and this is me derailing myself, but the idea that Velma has a cowardly streak in her is very fresh. Yeah, I guess that's interesting that she's portrayed
0: as kind of scared of danger pursuing the mystery of the danger yeah she plays it safe and that's kind of the thing that ties in with privilege for me and they even bring it above the surface velma says like hey it's easy for you to want to risk things your dad's always been looking out for you your whole life not all uh, of us have that yeah not all of us have safety nets basically that's great yeah perpetual things and Daphne's like yeah i know that but i'm still trying right now even though it just happened
1: and and they um, realize i love this Oh, sorry did you have no, just that's it. That's it's
0: how how do you engage with privilege once you have it, and it's it's kind of I will say this: once the dad brings it up, there's no real question of do you want me to keep doing it. It's just
1: assumed like We're yeah, not like gonna I should stop. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna.
0: Although he when he sees the way that Daphne's dressed at one point, he says, "Do you want me to fire up the clothing sorting machine real quick?" And Daphne, like, storms off. Because he was, in fact, her robotic closet this entire time. He did, and he, and she's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, four years at, like, uh, this engineering school of design. She's like, that's really impressive. Yeah, it's like a fashion. It's like,
1: I think, specifically, like, a fashion and design college.
0: Yeah, but, like, also, did Daphne think she invented her own wardrobe, or that's how they all came? Or she thought, this is the thing, like, Daphne, if you were patting yourself on the back for using this machine, that's on you. Anyways, all
1: that is to say that, yeah, I think that Daphne's coming off a privilege. Sorry. I mean, like, I don't... Here's the thing. I think it's a machine in that it, like, selects the clothes. I think the thing is that her dad is the one who's selecting... Her dad is choosing the outfits.
0: Oh, I see what you're saying now. That makes That's sense. That's why
1: he has, like, he has a good sense of fashion.
0: Also, I'm mean, not to derail even further, but um, when that... Machine stops working because he's no longer helping her with clothes. She wears purple and green together, two things that don't match. And that's the reason why she cares about fashion and how she looks, but she's wearing unmatching colors. They even justify that in this movie. It's very impressive. Uh, They want Velma to go to the top. So they have to make Velma first for the first time start trying in school and sabotage other people. And it brought to
1: mind one of not one of my favorite pictures on the internet but one that it just it really resonates with me it's Hmm. it's uh it's a yearbook and it's it's the yearbook picture for one kevin chang and underneath kevin chang it is not enough that i succeed it is not enough that i should succeed
0: others should fail i love it And that is 100% okay (laughs) when they do this scene, when Velma's like, Look, I've been in the school a long time. I need to start trying for the first time. I can do that, but that's the easy part. We need to take other people down. And Daphne's like, Do we? Do we need to do that? And Velma's like, I'm the smart one. Trust me on this. And then they go start taking people down. And eventually they they come to a point where they have to take down a nice girl. um, And they kind of breeze past the ethical implications of taking her down where I thought there might be uh, something to engage with there. It, w- it was a montage, they had no time. It was a montage, and also they're like, should we really do this? And it's like, oh no, we'll do it in such a way that we won't actually destroy her project, and that's it. Um, so um, but the montage is pretty fun. It's I pretty like good. watching it. It's it's, my- it's um. My favorite part is... Is it the first part with the papers? This is the part with the papers! It's the first part with the papers because it was so good. I also really like that teacher, he was really
1: funny. Again, in an understated, kind of cool way. It's, it just, it's it's a short moment, but it speaks volumes. <laughs> he's, like, grading papers, and she sort of drops a whole bunch of fold, like, um, binders? Not folders, of, like, just,
0: uh, like, f- yeah, like, full, just stacks and stacks, like a full half-foot-tall paper. Oh, I don't have, finally, it's been a long time
1: overdue, I don't have high expectations for these. And then he, he starts reading, and you see him sort of, like, nod, he's raising his eyebrows, he sort of purses his lips, like, oh in one shot
0: like one unbroken shot he picks up the top paper and like reads what can only be the first two sentences if he's the speed reader and he says this is incredible i love that he goes from like skepticism to awe but believably like you see it on his face you see it on his face and it's not so fast that it's a comedic moment it's only comedic when you think of how straight they play that and you're like "What." It's, it's great, dude. Only because the rest of the movie is so smart does this come off as comedic. Can you recognize it as not cheesy? Um, they do get Velma to the top. Velma, like, they do feel drawn in kind of this mind-melody, mystery, voices-in-your-head kind of way to within the locker, and they find themselves behind. Uh, they bump
1: into Daphne's dad, who is still following them. He's the ghost. He's the the still... dread pirate Roberts that I described. No. Not weird that he's still following them. Still weird, just weird that he's
0: still not the villain of this movie. Um, th- because he's, like, chasing them behind around there. Instead, he becomes, sorry, he becomes the tech guy in the chase. Yeah,
1: he's, he's Oracle. He's the Oracle
0: to their Batman and Robin. As soon as they catch him, they, like, sit him down at a computer and get him a headset. And they're like, give us distant updates and watch the maps for us. I like that they they actually disable him. They hurt his legs such that he That's cannot right. join them. That's why he was using the hoverboard as he hurt his legs, and he hurts him even more when he falls down this time. Yeah, man, you're right. There's
1: a logical reason that this adult man could not accompany his teenage daughter and her teenage friend to breaking into uh, an office.
0: Let's reveal now the the tiniest spoiler of the whole film. It was the Bloom Corp that's behind it. They noticed Bloom Corp's logo, and so they go after Bloom Corp. <laughs> the part um, that... Two little things
1: that? with the tech, if go I can... Ahead. Oh, yeah, because there's some tech stuff here again. One is that they're using a frequency that only kids can hear to mind control them, to sort of have them be uh, abducted. Mm. The other is that all of these kids are still posting on their social media. Oh, despite the fact
0: and that their minds are they're still they're like gone.
1: Snapchat or Instagram stories where they're just like, just eating some zah with the boys. <laughs> and, you know, it's one of those things. But And we see but overlaid it, with that like some
0: geometric lines, kind of like facial recognition tech.
1: And, and here's the thing. That's real technology. That you exists. Can, you can actually do that um, in which if you have enough pictures of someone, photos from different angles, you can run it through a machine that will crunch it and overlay that over a video, yeah. which has been a big problem in, like, pornography, among other things. It's very dicey. And the ethics, it's obviously not ethical. What's your problem with it? Sorry, I won't even. Let's get past that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's uh, so it. So... They're it... At Mm. We can we can just bring them to to the office.
0: Well, the the one part I want to get to I want to mention on the way to them breaking into Bloom headquarters is I think they hit a guard on the head with a rock, and Mr. Blake, Daphne's dad, has to like hear it from a distance. He's like, "No, don't do that! No, no, that's assault! Oh, this is terrible! This is the worst thing ever!" And he is basically the Kumail Nanjiani of this movie. I wrote, okay,
1: yes, man. Dude, um, of course I thought of that. What you don't know is uh, Luke and I. In one of our general discussion episodes, we talked about if we could add a character to the Scooby-Doo mythos, what kind of character would it be? It would be a straight-laced lawyer who follows a gang and basically tells them whenever they're committing crimes.
0: And that lawyer is played by Kumail Nanjiani. That was your idea, Evan, and I still think it is one of the most brilliant ideas we've ever had. He, is, he plays that role in this moment, Daphne's dad he, does. He's not
1: a fan of the breaking and entering, which they do.
0: And they, I love that they acknowledge it in, like, kind of a Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of way. Like, acknowledge the terrible thing this is and then move past it and then get right back into the chipper zone. They confront Tobias Bloom in his headquarters after, like, a robot fight.
1: Can I can I say, okay, weird. I'm not going to dwell on it. There's a weird action scene where Tobias sicks his brainstormers on them, which are these robot spiders that I guess will suck out their brains or their this, thoughts. Yeah.
0: Or, like, just shoot really bad lasers on them. Like, this is... I think this scene is supposed to be comedic on the level of Laser Cats, the SNL sketch. But but Velma has...
1: Or, like, has a Tim and Eric like movie. Like, a ninja-style takedown of these robots, which hilariously oh, yeah. are not nimble. No, they're so slow. So
0: <laughs> the spider is so slow. It looks like... This is not even a Boston Dynamics robot. This, they yeah, couldn't get isn't that. Yeah, this
1: is like, the... um. This isn't, like, the baby head spider in like toy story mm-hmm. it's like a like a connects when you put the motor in and the legs move. oh
0: that's exactly what this is um so they easily handily defeat these i for a moment when we introduce can i talk about tobias bloom for a second yeah he's uh, a typical kind of like handsome tech guy he i thought he was probably a Skarsgård brother at first or something like that he, one of the lesser Scarsguard. One of a lesser Scarsguard. I think lowercase Scarsguard is the term. He's not capital. Um, he kind of felt flat to me. I was like, oh, man, I want a villain who's going to chew the scenery who's a little smarmy, bit more. smarmy. Right? Yeah, who's Who going to really, enjoy mm-hmm. menacing them a little bit more. And he wasn't. And that was disappointing to me at
1: first. I, I only have one thing to say, which is that when they get to the top of this tower... and and finally confront him, I thought it was going to be much like when Will Smith's character in iRobot gets to the top of the tower to confront the boss and finds him dead at his desk. Ah. You know what I'm talking about? Just that kind of, like, oh, shoot moment, where it's just like, oh, sorry, spoilers for iRobot, came out a very long time ago. It wasn't that dude. It was the AI that was running the company. Mm.
0: It's been so long, I don't even remember that from iRobot. Um. But it's not entirely dissimilar here. If we can take a peek behind the curtain, Tobias Bloom, we find out, is actually a hologram, and Daphne realizes where she's recognized him from in the biggest plot hole of the whole movie, believe it or not. Uh, Apparently, Um, he's the number one male model in Japan. He is a white dude who is the number one male model in Japan. They aren't even saying white male model in Japan. He's just the number one model in Japan. And also this well-known tech genius Elon Musk type. No connection has been made before Daphne. Or maybe there is. Maybe there's like a Lois Lane who's calling out Clark Kent in this situation. Like someone who's writing articles like, I think these
1: two are the same person. Like, have you ever noticed how like Elon Musk and, uh, what's a male model? I don't know any. Ooh, dang, I don't know any either. Is it sexist that I don't know male models or that I do know female models? I'll just use a female model. Have you ever noticed how <laughs> Elon Musk and Kate Upton have never been in the same room at the same oh my time? Gosh. <laughs> it makes so much sense. And actually, when you look
0: at the sexy Kate Upton Super Bowl commercials and then the sexy Elon Musk Super Bowl commercials, you can overlay them and it makes one image. They're just fighting different fantasy creatures.
1: I'm just sorry, I'm just grimacing at the, what are they, like, Arby's commercials and stuff, where it's just like, look at these sexy ladies eat these sandwiches.
0: I hate all of it, or GoDaddy. Oh, goodness, why are we giving these people shout-outs? Listeners, we don't want you to go consume all that media. We want you to go read The Circle by Dave Eggers. Okay, I don't really care about the book (laughs) that
1: much. Okay, so what's, it turns out, uh, much like Tupac at that one concert, uh, this dude is a hologram. Uh, being
0: controlled by one Carol, Vanessa Moreno is the actress, and I think she really brings this villain to life. It was a girl who just wanted to be taken seriously. It's kind of like uh, uh, Madonna's character at the end of Dick Tracy. Oh, shoot. I love
1: Carol as a villain. And I love Carol as a villain. Carol, I thought, was a great character even before she was a villain. She was a great villain. For two key reasons. The first is that she is Hmm. masquerading as a high schooler. But it turns out that she's like, she's older because she started this company like like a number of years back. She is the original Tobias Bloom. That's what we find out is that she faked it all those
0: years ago because she had the genius idea for the original phone, wanted to publish it, but didn't think she'd be taken seriously as a kid, which is not true. You'd be taken way more seriously. You get way pre-publicity. Um, but that's why she
1: did it. And they're like, oh, how old are and you? And so she's old. I and mean, that's why she's not susceptible to the, uh, the frequency. Oh, which yeah. So, yeah, the, there's mind control, we
0: find out, has been a part of this, with frequencies that are only susceptible. Only kids can hear them, the dad tells us. Uh, and she's like, apparently she's, uh, she's 26. Uh, actress is twenty five in real life. I also so fact check. Let that. the let the creepy comments fly now. We've been holding I will, back I will this say, whole episode.
1: October of this year, she turns twenty six. I don't know when this was. Oh, it was probably filmed last year. Okay, so even worse that she was twenty four. Uh yeah. Uh-mm, uh-mm. I mean, I feel like she could look like a like a yacht, like, like a you know, you can. A youthful twenty six she
0: can act I mean the great thing is she can act high school age. She looks as young as everyone else does. Although when she first introduces herself, I thought she was introducing herself as a teacher or something. I was a bit confused. Um but she does say she almost has the meddling kids line at the end. We almost have that. Well she
1: does does she not say I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you meddling kids? Maybe she does say that. I'm almost there's at least 100% a version of positive. It. It's like the I actual believe that. there's just no
0: dumb dog. Ah, it's true, no dumb dog. And nor does anyone appear in this
1: film. Uh, the dog face app is all we get to mention. My other favorite thing about Carol, it's just a nice little mm. bit of flavor in her last, uh, in, her <coughs> in her takedown. Daphne is sort of talking about all the reasons she did this. Oh, you were doing this for the money and for the power. And then she, Carol kind of tunes in and she's like, okay come on I did this for the money and for the power and Daphne's like I just said that and Carol's like yeah I wasn't really listening to you that's what villains do that's so good she was a, the perfect
0: villain and I also love that uh, like right after that moment Daphne or Velma, Daphne's like I wish it didn't have to end like this and Carol's like oh it doesn't just let me go and Daphne's like well I mean it It definitely does have to end like this. And Velma's like, yeah, I want it to end like this. I've dreamed of it ending like this. (laughs) It's, I I mean, it's hard to describe, but it's a very funny, I feel like lovingly made movie.
1: Uh, I have run through all my notes. These are all of my highlights. And I would say, if you can, okay, go to like, I, I try not to, I try not to tell people to buy stuff at Walmart. But if you go to your local Walmart and you buy one of these DVDs, you will not be
0: disappointed I, you know what, my one thought, the one thing I wanted to make sure I said is, you will not be disappointed if you watch this. I mean... Luke, I just said that. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't listening. (laughs) I, uh, the one thing I, the one note I have left is that the intro opening with the music where we're going through the halls of the school, uh, that musical opening was really great and got me into the movie
1: really deep. Like, it really zoomed me into the screen. I do have a comment about that, actually. Is, is So, it is them panning through the hallways of the school, and then, like, it's it's who directed this? Mm. Who cast it? He, these are the stars. Um, and then there's this sort of, like, creepy, like... The music's like, really good. Uh, ...score yeah. in the background. And I was watching it, and I likewise got into it, but at some point during that intro, it occurred to me that this was just shots alternating between a floor and a ceiling, and then I was like, wow, dog. You couldn't do, like, a... You couldn't do like a table with beakers on it. You couldn't do like a row of of Macs. You couldn't do like a cafeteria. It's just floors and ceilings. Yeah. And I was like, ooh. You guys did not break the bank on
0: this. I'm gonna have to I really hate to do this. I'm gonna have to retract a little bit of that praise because (laughs) as you said that, I'm not even imagining like going from floor up to ceiling. I'm imagining like shot of the floor. Shot of the upper right corner of the ceiling. Like like one little section. <laughs> like they, they had to literally, Rupert.
1: they like they only had the. Ca- they, they got a camera on rollers, <laughs> and they just ran it back and forth down a hallway, and they're like, "That's our intro. It's We're done." Maybe
0: even a bit worse because I think it's CGI. I don't think this is an actual hallway. Oh no! <laughs> and it repeats like an episode of Conan the Barbarian. <coughs> uh, still, the music and the aesthetic was more than enough to get me into
1: it. The the fact that that more than made up for the visuals i think speaks a lot to the production of this film
0: i think the production value is good but really just the sense of humor uh that's in this is off the chain i loved it i loved this movie it was exactly what i wanted it to be the ultimate uh saturday morning viewing if you can
1: or evening viewing and and also I, i i feel like i don't know if this needs to be said or not fun for the entire family anyone of any age could enjoy this, and I think would really, it's really like It's completely
0: safe, completely clean. Yeah. Uh, I
1: th- oh, sorry, one more note. Do we want to do parting? No. At one point, okay. Daphne parting or note the lunch. for this. Sorry? Oh, Oh. shoot. Okay, sorry. There, there must there, have been a there little, was bit, a little of a, bit of a delay. I was going to say, we, if we could do parting notes, I have a parting note that I
0: want to end on. I have a parting note I do not want to end on, so let me do mine first. Okay. <laughs> sorry. When Zappy <laughs> and Velma are at the lunch line, they're pretending to be lunch ladies to spy. No, they have to do it because they've been bad. No, correct. It's a punishment. Sorry, excuse me. Um, one of the jocks coming up is kind of mean to them, and he's like, they're like kind of making fun of them, like, oh, lunch ladies on duty, such and such, and then they walk it back by trying to be nice afterwards. But one of the jocks is like, oh, I'll take a scoop of the messy one. And... I, I think he's referring to the food there. I th-
1: he's think, referring to the macaroni and I cheese. I think he's
0: referring to the macaroni and cheese, but he might not
1: be. He's definitely referring to the mac and cheese. Okay, well that's why I didn't want to end on my note. Your every every point of this episode, in which we sort of brush up on like, oh, this could be con- misconstrued sexually, has been you, and you know this. Hey, I'm the canary in the mines, and I have very weak lungs. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, maybe I'm just You're a canary with asthma. You fall over a canary and with asthma. They're just like just we haven't even that. gone into the mines yet.
0: I died at the pet shop to be honest.
1: Oh boy. Um <clears throat>
0: What is your I guess I have thought? Two last One note? One is
1: just very, very, very quick. I thought that the principal mm. was the voice of Aunt Gail in Bob's Burgers. She's is not she? Um, Aunt Gail is Megan oh. Mullally, who everyone knows. Um What's she in? Uh she's I think she was in Will and Grace. She was one of um one oh. of the ex wives of uh, Ron Swanson in Parks and Rec. She has a very, very distinctive voice. And and the actual actor, who is um Arden Myron, sounds very, very similar. And so I made that mistake and I apologize.
0: Oh, she's Nick Offerman's wife, which is not how I should. Oh, sorry, know yeah, her best, Nick Offerman's
1: but. real wife, Parks and I, Rec. I said Ron she Swanson's plays plays ex-wife, but his IRL Ron wife. Ron Swanson's ex-wife, yeah. Um, the actual final note is they're behind the the lunch counter, and they're trying to watch stuff, but um, Velma gets uh, distracted by. Let me check my notes. Um...
0: Oh, dude! I can't believe I almost missed this too. The second hottest guy in school. Oh, well, well, like, I missed that. No, that's not even what I'm talking about. That was so funny because no, 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 no. Carol introduces first Griffith, the, the
1: jock who's amazing, As, who the has a great, so-called second cutest guy in school. He
0: has honestly the best character arc in the movie. Um, but she calls he's she's like, oh, he thinks he's the hottest guy in school, but he's more like the second hottest guy in school. Carol says that like it's an insult. And by the way, I'm just realizing now, she's a 26-year-old woman creeping up on an 18-year-old boy. If if that. I mean, and she's playing a be. high schooler. She's probably playing the field, man. This is... <laughs> okay, moving on from that. But, like, that comment is going in, and then Velma has a comment behind the lunch line, like, oh, Griffith, the second hottest guy in school. Another guy thinks she's saying it about him, and then she has to downplay that. And he's not like, Uh oh, oh, Thank man. you. Thanks. Uh, do you... Do you, you want to go out, out? sometime? Yeah. Oh, no. I'm not looking for anything serious right now.
1: It's uh, uh, it's, it's not you. It's me. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to go. He, like, grabs, like, a thing of mac and cheese and yeah. just, like, walks off dejectedly. um, It's them looking and seeing Coach Williams, who, like, sort of, like, looks around furtively and then, like, grabs a fry out of, like, the top of the garbage and, like, dips it and eats it. I didn't even see that. they're just like, oh, Coach Williams, no. And then he does it again. (laughs) And you know what? i want to say this right now. I've never related to someone more than Coach Williams in that moment.
0: Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. I love that kind of thing. It it also encapsulates, I think, part of the people-watching nature of high school. You know, like, that's the pleasure of a high school movie is the social setting of it and there's such a vibrant cast of secondary and th- th- tertiary characters that's what part of what really makes this that's the whole movie again listeners go watch it go get it for yourselves it's amazing daphne and velma by blondie girl productions watch it see it buy it stick around for the outro uh
1: you know luke it's so funny that you uh it's so funny that you only watch film. Yes. Because actually, we mm-hmm. are recording this podcast on a digital device. It's not on vinyl. Uh, you know that. I well, no, I don't
0: touch vinyl. I won't. I won't do anything with it. I have a record player, and I actually that's the only way I can get my music. But I, I, I get it filtered through that. You um, know, what, it's so
1: funny. I actually remember that at your at your parents' house in Houghton, they actually had vinyl flooring in some spots, mm-hmm. and you would sort of Spider-Man your way. Uh, along the, uh, along like the, the tables and the furniture, you would never touch the floor. That really checks out. Yeah, it absolutely does. This is a thing that I do in real life. Speaking of things that you can do in real life, what else can I do in real please life? Please connect with us on social media. What? Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, that's amazing.
1: Sure is. For empty Sam, people can connect with
0: us via social media.
1: If I yell, will she hear it? She won't hear you if
0: you. She won't hear if you yell. But Empty Sam, are you okay? <laughs> empty Sam. <laughs> Wait, can't, where, no, wait. There's so many social media accounts. How do they know which one's ours? Do they have to just start going through
1: alphabetically? No, 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 no. Go to facebook.com slash Scooby Dudes. Go to twitter.com slash the Scooby Dudes. If you want to follow us on both, that'd be swell. We are over 100 followers on Twitter now.
0: Dang, not bad. Past the trip of digits.
1: Uh, and if you want to go to ScoobyDudes.com, digits be tripping. Uh, that's funny. I like that, actually. Sorry. No, it's, took me a minute <laughs> good uh Scooby-Dudes.com, uh we have a title card there that i will have drawn um uh, we made a lot of little references in this episode i explain all of those references in the show notes the show notes are a delight for, even if you know all these
0: references go to scooby check out the show notes um we often do captions with funny screenshots and original title card art every single week with corrections additional links ScoobyDooz.com. we pay for the website go Show us that we're paying for something. We're using um, We talked about social media. Have we talked about iTunes? Write us a review five stars if it's five I'll stars read it. He'll read it on air. Have we said that yet? We just did won't say it again. I'll just say that I really appreciate the people that donate to us on patreon our patrons on patreon Yeah, you're doing two peace signs because they make me feel double the amount of peace in my life as anything else. Everything else combined. Um, And I feel even more peace if we got even more donors. So please, if you're not donating to us already, go to Patreon.com, give us what you
1: can, and you'll get some stuff in return, like uh, additional recording content. Uh, Oh yeah, and also, if you donate to us on Patreon, we'll say your name on the podcast. Not just this week, or not just the week that you donate, but every single week every week i
0: in fact i i wanna i'm impatient this is the part i wait for the whole time honestly evan this is my favorite part of the podcast this is where we get to lovingly say the names of all of our patrons yeah C- can i do it you can start us off all right yes. <laughs> we've said their name oh you're welcome to this so much don't no, i know you're grateful just hang on to that pay it forward with money to our patreon and return to us next week when we'll be recording another very special episode of Scooby Dudes.
1: That's it. That's it. Thank, Thank, you. Thank you. Bye. Go watch Daphne and